swing on down to Ricky's place Where the girls are refined and the men have good taste A subtle joke, a touch of class Poured in a tall martini glass Let's swing on down to Ricky's, down to Ricky's place Welcome to Rick's Martini Bar. This is Jerry McCarty here with the lovely Kelly Maroney. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Jerry. Hello, everybody. Glad to have you here as usual. And today we have a very special guest. We have the great Paul Peterson, actor, author, and just all-around Hollywood good guy, taking care of lots of people. And I get to ask the first questions. I always love this. Do you have one ready? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But first of all, i got to tell people, if they want to follow Paul Peterson, you can go to paulpeterson.com. Yes. And then your great organization called The Minor Consideration. Right. Then go to minorcon.org or on Facebook. We have, there's Paul Peterson 1, 2, and 3, and The Minor Consideration on Facebook as well. Okay. Well, we're going to hear all about the great things that you do for children and even adults in Hollywood. But um, I, th- I think, first of all, let's go back to the very start, at least, well, probably not the start, but the start, is, as most of our listeners will remember, is the great Jeff Stone on the Donna Reed Show. But before that, you were a musketeer, right? I was. I was. In fact, I have the distinction, back in 1955, with the original Mouseketeers, of becoming the world's first ex-Mouseketeer. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was the first kid they fired. You were? Oh. I literally was, yeah. Everything. (laughs) No, the truth is, seriously, is that I didn't know that young performers are supposed to be adults. I really thought that they had hired me because I could sing and dance, and I was nine. Yeah. But what they wanted is the singing and the dancing and behave like a 40-year-old. Right, 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 right. So... But it was fun. Interestingly enough, even all these years later, I'm still friends with all the surviving mouse. I can tell that, uh, what a good guy you are, because everybody that we talk about, it's like you're still friends with, and that's just long. That's just the sign of somebody that just has a long relationship. And and well, I, I I cherish that because I I think I endurance. Uh, it means a lot, mm-hmm. and and people have had plenty of chances to find out if I'm faking it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. really. Have. I'm a pretty public fellow, and I've tried to tell the truth all the way along the uh, all along the line. And uh, I, I tell people sometimes the only folks that were left in my life because I've had my ups and downs. I wouldn't wish my twenties on anyone. Were my car buddies, huh. my car buddies that I first became friendly with when I was 15, 16 years old. Through thick and thin, uh, have been my buddies. You know, back me up in a bar fight to help me help uh, fix my cars. I helped them, and here we are, all these decades later. And when I go to car shows, I'm going to shows with my buddies. You know, That's it's awesome. my, like my high school mates. That's great. That's great. But after the Musketeers, you got to work on the Donna Reed show, and yes. I fall in love every Christmas with Donna Reed, and it's a wonderful life. Oh, how can you not? <laughs> you know, which was already, of course, an institution right. by the time I got to meet her. But in between the Musketeers, there was a lot of work that people uh, kind of bypass, and yet that was me becoming a professional. I was not going to get fired again, believe me. <laughs> but I, I really made, in a rather meteoric sense. A transition from a kid who did walk-ons a couple of lines, you know, 
to all of a sudden getting parts in Ford Theater, yeah. Playhouse 90, getting to work with uh, Michael Rennie and James Mason. Oh. And that led to an audition uh, about a year later to play uh, Cary Grant's son in a movie people like called Houseboat with oh, yeah, Cary Grant and movies. Sophia Loren. Uh, so by the time the Donna Reed show came around, I was already, at least within the confines of Hollywood, a, a commodity, a well-known commodity yeah. who could deliver the goods. And you did that for eight years. Yeah, so in that... So there's some Tony, tough years to grow up in front of the camera. Well, they are. My friend Tony Dow, who played Wally Cleaver on Leave it to Beaver, he put it this way. You're sitting at the kitchen table discussing whether or not to get a job offer, or take a job offer, and you s decide to say yes, and poof, there goes your life. Yeah. Because the Donna Reed show lasted all of my years twixt 12 and 20. Right. That's a lot of water. And uh, along the way, I had to sort of conform with the Ricky Nelson image yeah. from, from Ozzy and Harriet, which meant you had to sing. I uh, had to have hit records. You had to go out on the road. And I must tell you, I loved it all. Yeah. <laughs> That's another, like you toured with uh, Dick Clark, right? Absolutely. And did, did all that stuff and with, with some great groups. Imagine this all on one bus. The Supremes. Oh. The Drifters. Right. Tom Jones. No. Um, Jackie DeShannon. Oh, yeah. Gene Pitney. Oh, it was a ball. And let me tell you, in those long, lonely nights between gigs, on a bus, all together, to hear Abdul from the Drifters start playing his guitar. Yeah. And, and the girls sing. Oh, my God. It was talk about heaven. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right now, we are. it is time for a commercial. So we have to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to hear all the great things that Paul Peterson is doing with a minor consideration and about acting and all kinds of things. When Kelly Maroney, me, and Paul Peterson return after this message. Let's swing on down to Ricky's place. The girls are refined and the men have good taste. Welcome back to Rick's Martini Bar. This is Kelly Maroney. I'm here with Jerry McCarty and the fabulous Paul Peterson. Well, the fabulous. Thank you, You're fabulous welcome. Kelly. You're <laughs> we were just getting to the part where you started your career in music. And, yes. And tell me about Shindig and, and touring and the, oh, the hit songs. When somebody wrote on my Facebook page, they still have the 45 of you singing. She can't, can't find her keys. Yeah. I know. It was actually pretty embarrassing because here's Ricky Nelson, you know, singing to swooning girls. And they bring me this song about I can't get a good night kiss because she's looking for her keys. I thought, come on, you know, where are the love songs? Uh, but the truth is they came from New York, uh, the people who owned Cole Picks, which was a division of Columbia Pictures, which was part of Screen Gems, blah, blah, blah. And they asked Shelley Fabre and I to record. Well, Shelley was scared to death, and I said, give me the mic. <laughs> because I, I knew it would be fun. That was how I got my start in the business, and uh, I've never been afraid of performing. Well, Shelley's first record was Johnny Angel, Can't oh, Have a Bigger wow. Hit. And they gave me She Can't Find Your Keys. <laughs> but they made it up to me when they uh, gave me My Dad, which I got yeah. to sing on the show, which has become a classic episode. And, you know, the people behind that, Barry Mann and Cynthia Wheel, have had over 75 number one records. Uh, things like on Broadway, You've mm. Lost That Love and Feeling. Oh. And My Dad is still Barry's, uh, Barry's favorite song. And mine, too. Mm -hmm. Well, you started singing when you were, when you were seven years old. You oh, sang yes. alone in the, at the Hollywood Bowl. Yes. Me, 
when when we moved from Iowa back out to California, uh, as my mother has said to people, what was I supposed to do with him? He could sing. <laughs> and, you know, my sister and I, we, we led the church choir, and you get noticed in that way. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're doing... Um, uh, Easter sunrise services at the Hollywood Bowl, and I got invited back to, mm. to be, you know, the boy soprano. And I must tell you, I loved it. I hated the lessons. I did. I hated the lessons with a passion. But the performing, mm. ah, that part's good. Mm. That part felt sweet. And so it was a natural when when they wanted you to be... Be anything. <laughs> no, when they, wanted, when they wanted you to start being a pop star, it came... It was well, it, uh, out of the blue. I had, you know, Ricky Nelson, they, they lived in Hollywood, um, and I'd already met him at various events, and uh, I saw the girls, and he drove a really nice car, <laughs> and I say to people, you know, there's nothing wrong with being rich and famous. No. Um, fast cars and faster women. <laughs> I, I was all in. <laughs> that, that's truly the idyllic teenage boy life. Well, it's, it's remarkable, highly unusual. But, uh, you know, I've said to people, you can learn about love by having it or not having it. And given the disparity between my public life back in the day and what it might have been, I'll take my life. Thank (laughs) you very much. Talk about somebody who has bounced back from a lot of people can't, can't, success happens so so young and it, it... they have a, a difficult time the rest of their life adjusting well, to it. Well, you, you, you do, because it lasts for, it, the fame never goes away, mm-hmm. but the money does. Right. And the thing that you probably enjoyed the most, which was the actual work, right. that goes away too, because Hollywood doesn't make room for former kid stars. Mm-hmm. There's very little respect within the industry for the work that children do, mm-hmm. even though the kids learn the lines, they hit the marks, and they deliver the performances. Well... That doesn't disappear in your life. Those capabilities are still there, even if you're digging a ditch somewhere. And I didn't handle uh, the loss of fame or or the loss of a career very well. And this is the late 60s uh, when the world was changing. Uh, So I've said to people, I wouldn't wish anybody to have my 20s. It was very difficult. But eventually I took Mickey Rooney's advice and I got out of town and got back to school and started something else, a writing career, which turned out to be an amazing chapter in my life because all the words were mine. It wasn't delivered Mm. to me by a screenwriter. Um, I I wasn't making up a persona. I was Paul the author. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a a good time in my life because it allowed me to sort of sift through and come to terms with how different (laughs) my life had been twixt Mm -hmm. 12 and 20. Mm -hmm. Well, you started a beautiful organization as a result of successfully navigating that life. Uh, Yes, indeed I did, and a minor consideration is very dear to my heart. But I didn't know I was going to create a foundation. That kind of just happened. Um, In late 1989 and January 1990, I lost three friends, former kid stars, Trent Lehman, Tim Hovey, and then most famous, uh, Rusty Hamer, who was on the Danny Thomas show. Mm -hmm. And I realized uh, when Rusty's death was announced that I had, I had let him down. He was a good friend of mine. We raced cars together, chased skirts. <laughs> but I see, I knew where he lived, and I knew he was in trouble, and I was talking with his brother. And it would have meant nothing to me to stop when I went through New Orleans to get a car and go see him. I didn't do that. 
and I promised my wife in January 19th, 1990, it's never going to happen again. If there's a kid actor in trouble, I'm going to show up. And we went from that day, um, that very day, helping Jay North, who was Dennis the Menace, and dealing with some of the other issues that were going on. Todd Bridges was in jail on an attempted murder charge. Uh, and Dana Plato was uh, about to be naked in Playboy. We started actually reaching out to help these people and asking our friends, and by our friends, I mean my wife, Rana, who is a show business nurse. She's been the head of CBS Medical for a long time. And bit by bit, starting from just a few phone calls, suddenly there were 10, then there were 20, then there were 60 former kid stars, and we busied ourselves first with ourselves, you know, trying to get people kind of grounded, if you will, and dealing with issues like can't pay the rent, uh, can't afford the therapist, uh, uh, I'm behind on my taxes, those issues, to all of a sudden saying, as Jeannie Russell said it to us perfectly, why are we doing all these interventions when we, what we should be doing is prevention? And once we got to that milestone, then we started to look at the way the law, in particular the law, treats working children who are, incidentally, to this day, 2014, exempt from federal child labor laws. And in all states but California, children don't own the money they earn because children are the property of their parents. We have to... We have to take commercials. Oh, darn those I commercials. I, believe me, I, I felt Jerry tapped me a while ago. So we're going to do the commercials and pay the rent, and then we're going to be right back and hear the rest of more of this cool. because it's absolutely, I think, that everybody should know about this. I agree. I'm Kelly Maroney. I'm here with Jerry McCarty and Paul Peterson, the delightful Paul Peterson. We'll be right back. Let's swing on down to Ricky's place. The girls are refined And the men have good taste We are back at Rick's Martini Bar I'm Jerry McCarty with the lovely Kelly Maroney, and we have a special guest today, Mr. Paul Peterson, talking about a minor consideration. And uh, Kelly was just getting into it when we had to get interrupted for a commercial, so I'm going to give it back to Kelly, and we'll find more about a minor consideration. Cool. Okay, so where were we? Well, we were talking about the way we came, uh, came up with an action plan to deal with the... Uh, really suffocating uh, ignorance that people have when it comes to working children. Mm -hmm. Now, this is no small thing. Uh, five and a half million children go to work in America every day. Now, they're not all in show business, and yet most of them, particularly the kids in agriculture, are also exempt from federal child labor laws. So you see, if you work in a state, let's say North Carolina, just for a little example, uh, they brag about not having child labor laws. So Bastard out of Carolina goes to Carolina to shoot. Uh, Drew Barrymore is taken to North Carolina to do Firestarter. And in mm. today's world, you have John and Kate Plus 8 filming in Pennsylvania, mm. which oddly had child labor laws, didn't enforce them. So here's these six children on John and Kate, or eight children on John and Kate Plus 8, who are 80% of the cast. Mom's paid, dad's paid, publicist is paid, and the kids get nothing. Ooh. Well, that's just wrong. Yeah. And when people are made aware of that, uh, they take action. We were able to, after a two-year drama, 
successfully pass uh, meaningful child labor laws in Pennsylvania with the support of Governor Corbett uh, and led by my friend Representative Thomas Merck. But we had to fly in there. By we, I mean Johnny Provost from Lassie, Allison Arngrim from Little House, to actually look these legislators in the eye and say, don't you understand what you're doing to children? For six years, you had the number one show on cable TV in your backyard, and no one went to check. Wow. There were cameras in the bathroom. There were cameras in those girls' bedrooms while they were dressing. You know, pedophiles' delight. And they weren't compensated? How dare we allow this? How dare we have shows like Honey Boo Boo on or Dance Moms? All these beauty pageants. Oh, my God. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Mm. And the fix is easy. Don't do it. Mm. How about that? <laughs> Don't do it. If it's not safe for children, here's a guideline, whether it's a nuclear reactor or a television show. Mm. If it's not safe for kids, don't do it. Right. I've stunned you. Right. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, that was, we used exactly that uh, approach, what a concept, to get the California legislatures to agree with us that the person who does the work should own the money. Now, I don't care if you're a far-right Republican or a far-left Democrat. That's something we can all agree on. Well, it took us till the year 2000 to get that changed because we had to change not only family law, but probate law as well. So that the parents of children who were working in a high-dollar environment had to understand that they were trustees of their children's uh, income, not the owners, mm -hmm. as they had been before in Jackie Coogan's day and in Gary Coleman's day, mm -hmm. but the trustees that they had a fiduciary obligation to guard that money. I just have a, one thing I want to make sure we mention is that this organization that you started and Jeannie Russell and, yeah. and others is now grown to something huge, and you mentioned some of the, the, the younger Oh. Actors, actresses that are are taken up. Could you just name some of them? And, well, and talk I, about Scotty what Schwartz from um, uh, oh, okay. The Toy and uh, Christmas, Christmas Story. Story. Uh, Katie Kurtzman, Mary McDonough. There's a lot of new kids who are younger than me by 30 and 35 years, but they've been the beneficiary of our past work since 1990. And independently, I didn't go out and solicit them. They came to me. Because they didn't want to hurt my feelings, that they oh. wanted to do this too. I go, hurt my feelings? You've made me the proudest man in America to think that this thing we started, you're going to carry on. And and on, they are wonderful. They are experienced. Uh, they're they're real good with social media. They have their own ideas. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, enough of them are just as brazen as I. To if the confrontation is called for they will deliver. <laughs> That's great. And all somebody who would have to do is look them up and they'll come. Right? Oh, absolutely. Look, mm -hmm. we answer the phone. Mm -hmm. I, I'm the only person in the theatrical unions who, by my order, uh, if someone calls looking for me, they are given my home number. And guess what? I answer it. <laughs> because I never Don't know. Don't get any ideas. No, <laughs> no, no, but I want people to have the idea that these are big problems. I've been gratified by the affection and respect that people have for what's become my life's work. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful to their, their support. And it's going to continue long after I'm out of here. Great. Well, Paul Peterson, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Probably, you know, I can't think of anybody as we're sitting here. I was trying to think of somebody that's left a more positive mark on Hollywood. 
we can name all the people that have left terrible marks in Hollywood, but you're one of the one of the few that has left a long-lasting mark at Hollywood that's going to be here for, for, for many, many years. And mm -hmm. congratulations on that. You should be so proud. And once again, if you would like to learn more about Paul Peterson, you can go to paulpeterson.com. Dot com or a minor con, right? It's a minorcon.org, although we're changing that. Or any place on Facebook. Yeah. Or look in the yellow pages. We're around. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being here. Kelly Maroney, thank you for being here. And I'm Jerry McCarty. Join us next week at Rick's Martini Bar. Let's swing on down to Ricky's place. Where the girls are refined. And the men have good taste A subtle joke A touch of class Poured in a tall martini glass Let's swing them down To Ricky's, down To Ricky's place